Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. In the U.S., midterm elections are coming up in just a couple of weeks. And ahead of those, there's been this war of words popping up from Republicans in state capitals around the country. And we're not talking about abortion rights or gun control or immigration. We're talking about one acronym plucked straight from the world of finance. ESG, as in environmental, social, and governance investing. Republicans broadly have identified ESG, environmental, social, and governance investing, as a political issue. That's Patrick Temple-West. He's the FT's corporate governance reporter. Now, something that has been a small but growing segment of the financial sector, a way to screen companies for potential risks, potential opportunities, has become weaponized. Patrick says that politicians like Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton and pundits like Fox News host Tucker Carlson are among a group of Republicans who have spent the last several months criticizing financial institutions for their ESG policies. If you're thinking about joining this climate cartel, you better think again and you better lawyer up. How is this not a violation of their fiduciary duty? Because when I'm mm-hmm. buying a stock and I like to think 99% of stockholders out there are like me, Your number one goal is to make money. I don't care about all this stuff. The point of it is to push corporate investors to the left. Republicans have gone after ESG because it makes them look edgy. It makes them look like, wow, they're really taking it to these big financial institutions. ESG is a growing sector of the financial landscape. Banks, asset managers have been rolling out ESG products, talking about how ESG-friendly they are. The story had been all good for the banks and financial institutions up until this point, but now they're starting to get blowback for this business. But this political circus has also brought up a bigger question about ESG. It's an acronym that's received criticism on the left for not doing enough to address environmental issues and on the right for doing too much. And now financial institutions are caught in the middle. I'm Michaela Tendera from the Financial Times. On this week's episode of Behind the Money, is it time to rebrand ESG? Hi, Patrick. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Patrick, so how did all of this get started? In 2021, President Biden became president and quickly his administration moved on to climate change, which had been neglected under President Trump. The administration 
started pushing companies and its its agencies to disclose more about their emissions. Uh, this is government regulations that that companies have never liked, Republicans have never liked, and this led Republicans to react by seeing where they can go after the Biden administration on its climate efforts. And ESG naturally was a consequence of that. In ESG investing, one of the components of that is environmental, and it became a natural target for Republicans to to hit at. So then what did Republicans decide to do? Texas was the first state to pass legislation at the state level to go after ESG. They went after banks, asset managers, saying, if you do any sort of boycotting of oil and gas and we get to decide what that boycotting looks like, we will ban you from doing business, certain business in the state of Texas. What the consequence of that was earlier this year was they drew up a list of banks and asset managers that they deemed to be boycotting oil and gas companies. BlackRock was the only U.S. company on that list. Okay, so to be clear, BlackRock doesn't include oil and gas companies in their ESG funds then. These ESG funds, we've looked at this. The the ESG funds offered by BlackRock, they are invested in Exxon. They may not be invested in it um, as much as conventional funds, but they are definitely um, holders of oil and gas companies. So the boycotting argument is doesn't even make sense. Um, but still, they figured, well, this is an opportunity to really hold their feet to the fire and say, well, we don't want you to be even thinking about underweight investing in oil and gas. And that's when they passed this legislation. So, Patrick, can you just clarify, what are these banks and asset managers even doing for the states? What, what's their relationship like? Banks handle cash management systems for these states. Asset managers do, too. If you just need a fund to hold some cash in as tax receipts are coming in before you deploy them out for government services. That's one area of it. There's also the pension fund management. Teachers, firefighters, these states have retirement savings, billions of dollars, lots of money involved there. BlackRock, the banks usually are are top players in managing this money, and the states will outsource it to a big financial company to do this for them. Mm-hmm. And what might that actually look like for, you know, maybe a teacher working in Texas who has a state pension? Um, what might their relationship actually be to what's going on here? They wouldn't even know. They don't know who manages their money. They know the state manages retirement savings for them. For that, they get reports about how their retirement savings look year over year. But they wouldn't have any clue about whether BlackRock or J.P. Morgan is involved managing money. That's done at the state oversight level. And again, there's treasurers and officials in the management who are hired, employed by the state to do that. But then they increasingly outsource that to asset managers. South Carolina is one of the states where this has been going on. And here's the state's Republican treasurer, Curtis Loftus, talking on CNBC recently. Well, you know, ESG is nothing but the left's political manifesto turned into investment policies. Now, Patrick, what role does Loftus play in this and what's been happening there? As treasurer, he oversees a lot of functions, mostly cash management, especially in the context that involves BlackRock. Tax receipts come in and before the legislature tells you where to deploy that money back out, it needs to be held in a fund. And 
But that's money that still needs to be managed. So they would contract with BlackRock or other asset managers to handle that. That's separate from the state's pension funds, which are the retirement savings for teachers, firefighters. That's a bigger pot of money and requires a lot more money management. What Curtis has told me is that by the end of this year, he's going to get BlackRock out of his office's oversight of any money management. So there won't be any BlackRock business there. In previous years, he was like considering BlackRock as being a money manager for this big fund that he oversees. And he ultimately went with Federated Hermes, which is another asset manager. Um, the interesting thing that caught our attention with Federated Hermes is they were a big donor to this conservative group of treasurers. The treasurers, like state attorney generals and governors, divide themselves up across the country between Democrats and Republicans. Um, the Republican treasurers have this organization. Federated gave them a lot of money, and um, Treasurer Loftus went with them. And now we should clarify that Loftus has said there's nothing to suggest that his decision was linked to the donations. And Federated Hermes has said it no longer sponsors the group. But Patrick, it seems like this has expanded well beyond just actions taken by Republican state treasurers. Last week, there was news that 19 state attorneys general planned to launch investigations into how several big banks like Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan were involved in something called the United Nations Net Zero Banking Alliance. It's serious. Again, every day there seems to be a new announcement that the Republicans are going after ESG. This is the top cops in these states who are going after the six biggest banks in the U.S. over ESG. I don't know what they're looking for. I don't know what they're, they're going to find as, as opposed to anything else they might investigate them for. But again, this is just such a reverse because this is what Elizabeth Warren would, would have wanted. Attorney generals going after these big banks looking for misconduct. It's just remarkable that it's coming from the Republicans now. So, you know, it's not just BlackRock that's getting flack from this from Republicans. There are other big banks, like we mentioned Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, you know, and other big asset managers, too. But why is there such a focus on BlackRock? So they will say BlackRock is the biggest asset manager in the world. Um, it varies, but the biggest asset manager out there. So they would say we start with the top. But well, you aren't really going after anybody else. You're not going after Federated, Vanguard, Fidelity, State Street. BlackRock is consistently the one that is targeted the most. Larry Fink, the CEO of, of BlackRock, has been talking about climate change concerns. So he has gotten a lot of attention for that, been warning about climate for years. That's why BlackRock is, is getting so much attention. It's both because they are the biggest dog in the room and because it's leaning uh, toward climate concerns. So what has been the reaction or what have these asset managers like BlackRock said in response to what's been happening over the last year? BlackRock hates this because it gets picked up in the media. It gets picked up on Fox News. This is a real reputational problem for them. Larry Fink is getting targeted by name, specifically from these Republicans. And that that really hurts. Nobody wants to be bashed, uh, attacked like that. So BlackRock obviously hates this and has been pushing back aggressively. Does it really hurt BlackRock's bottom line? I mean, they just had earnings out 
the company's doing fine. I mean, everybody's kind of in this recessionary environment, strong dollar environment. So everybody's sort of been hit by this. But we've interviewed plenty of BlackRock analysts, and they just say this is all politics and just noise that BlackRock has to deal with. Okay, well, Republicans getting involved so heavily in trying to force banks and asset managers to do one thing or another, you know, it seems to really go against what Republicans typically advocate for, you know, which is less regulation, less involvement in what businesses are doing. So what are Republicans trying to achieve here? That's a very good question. And Republicans, the the pro-business party, very intertwined with the financial sector, have battled against regulations in in Washington, especially after the financial crisis. Why are they now suddenly picking on these banks and BlackRock specifically? I think it's it's a lot of an attempt to get attention to themselves. A lot of these people are running for election in November. Um, It makes them look tough. Here they are beating up on these global banks that are doing various ESG environmental stuff. So It's an opportunity for them to make a name for themselves. Treasurers don't get into some of the hot button cultural issues like immigration that the state governors and attorney generals do. So this is an area for them to get their 15 minutes of fame on Fox. Are you seeing any dissent in the Republican Party or is everyone on board with this? There's a limit to how far this is going to go in the Republican Party. I mean, we've we've talked to Republicans in some of these states, people who came up through the financial sector who don't like what's going on here because it is Elizabeth Warren tactics. And this is the Republican Party beating up on the hand that feeds them. So we know there is there's a limit to how far this is going to go. And it just underscores how much this is just a lot of noise. So there's been a lot of criticism on the right, as we've heard, but also on the left. And, you know, the main critique there falls in this vein of greenwashing that ESG investing isn't doing enough to address environmental and climate change concerns. So, you know, hearing from these different sides, do you feel like it's becoming time for perhaps a rebrand of ESG? There's an open conversation within the asset managers right now about dropping ESG. And they talk about it publicly, they talk about it privately. Because it has become such a hot button issue, does it make sense to just drop that acronym ESG from fund names, take it out of documents. There's other ways of describing, you know, we screen for these risks without saying E, S, and G. So in a couple of years' time, five, 10 years, there's a very good chance we won't be talking about ESG. The name will have moved on, the products will have evolved, and it, it just dies away, as we've seen with other acronyms, too. So we've talked a lot about how there are Critics on both sides of ESG. I'm curious, is there anyone out there who is still like a big proponent of ESG? Definitely. Yeah, it's a sort of like the silent majority of people who believe in ESG. It gets into a longer question about what you want to accomplish with ESG. Are you using it as a way to screen companies for risks and opportunities? There's lots of bank research out there. Um, Brian Moynihan, the head of Bank of America, talked about it. His research department found companies that score better on ESG perform better. So there is evidence that ESG is a legitimate way of putting a different lens on how to evaluate companies and identifying potential risks and opportunities. So that will continue. And again, you can rebrand, take ESG out of the name and continue doing that screening and see how it goes from there. 
The other angle for ESG is do you use ESG to agitate for change at the, the boardroom level? Using your voting at, at companies' annual meetings to say, we want you to disclose more about your emissions or your um, workforce gender makeup. Um, that will continue as well. BlackRock does that. All the big asset managers do that. But um, there's a core of these ESG funds that have prioritized that as, as their business mix. So that will continue. Well, thank you very much for all this insight, Patrick. You're welcome. Behind the Money is hosted by me, Michaela Tendera. Safia Ahmud is our producer. This episode was edited by John Buckley. Topher Forges is our executive producer. Sound design and mixing by Sam Giovinco. Special thanks to Brooke Masters and Manuela Saragossa. Cheryl Brumley is the global head of audio. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.